Welcome to the Income School YouTube Podcast. Hello, everybody. This is Nate. This is episode one of the brand new YouTube podcast. I'm, I'm putting on my best announcer voice I can here. <laughs> uh, this is going to be fun. I'm excited for this because today we get to talk about something that has been blowing my socks off about YouTube that not I have not seen talked about anywhere else, and I keep seeing evidences of it that... I wanted to share with you guys because it's potentially something that we need to start observing or changing in our own videos. Now, I am all by myself today and there's nobody else here in the office. It's funny because I started recording this and everybody's like, see ya. <laughs> everybody left right as soon as they heard I was going to record this. But it doesn't matter because you're here now and let me share what I've been seeing here. This has to do with the metadata of your YouTube videos. So, let me give a little background here. So how we understand the YouTube algorithm to work is you create a video, you publish it, they test to see how well it does with your audience. And according to how well it does with your audience, that's how they decide what to do with it going forward. If it spreads to other audience members, whatever it may be. Now, with this idea of we want to please the algorithm, it behooves us to understand how the algorithm works, right? And anything that we can do, this is what I dedicate a lot of time observing how videos perform on my own channels, on your channels, a lot of YouTube channels, to see patterns, to understand what we can do to do well with the algorithm. So this episode, I wanted to cover something that I've been seeing that potentially changes our behavior when we make a video. This is just a theory at this point, but I have enough evidences that I felt like it was worthwhile to bring it up with you guys. So with that, so we've got the algorithm, you publish a video, it goes out according to how well it performs, click-through rate, views, average view percentage, all of those things, it determines if an, a larger audience sees it. There's another aspect here that plays into this, and that is the idea of association of channels. If other channels, if, if the YouTube algorithm can see that your channel, let's say I have a lawn care channel. <laughs> For some reason, I always use lawn care as my, <laughs> as my example. I think I need help. Uh, anyway, let's say I have a lawn care channel. And what it, how the algorithm works here is that the they see that this audience, let's, they have this silo of an audience, this group of people that like a video from another channel, a successful lawn care channel, right? You have a channel, no matter where you are on the success scale, if you're brand new, if you've been doing it for a while, if in the algorithm's eyes, your channel can be associated with the other channel, then uh, the algorithm will say, okay, well, this larger channel, they like this, the, the audience liked this one video on that channel, so, um, I'm sorry, I'm doing it backwards here. So if, if people like a video on a larger channel, they might show it to your channel and vice versa. So if you, if you can associate your channel with another channel, you, you publish a video that's similar in audience to a larger, more successful channel, then their algorithm has the possibility to say, well, hey, it, it worked with this audience. Well, let's try it with this audience and vice versa. It's kind of how they, they cross suggest videos across of YouTube. Now, that's important to understand that as I go into this because I've started to see something. 
combine those two concepts together. So you publish a video, how well it does with your own audience, you know, kind of determines how well it spreads that concept combined with the cross promotion of videos across similar audiences. If another channel, several, several channels, if there were 10 channels and they had essentially the same audience, there's a really high likelihood that YouTube would show a video from one channel to the other audiences, no matter if they're subscribed to that channel or not. So we take these two concepts and we put them together. I have seen, I have published videos on, I'll use the example, this is where it first came up on Channel Makers. Many of you are familiar with that channel. And in that, I'm teaching YouTube skills, right? I'm teaching how to grow a YouTube channel and do it in a legitimate way. I have started to introduce another content type to that channel with potentially a new audience type, and that is gear. So reviews of webcams, of RGB lights, of lighting, of that kind of thing, reviews of products incorporated into the YouTube umbrella, the audience of, hey, build your channel, right? Now, consistently, within, when I first publish one of those videos on that channel, it doesn't do nearly as well. And one part of that could be that first aspect, right, of, of hey, that audience doesn't they aren't as interested in gear stuff right now. The, the, the group of people that have collected to that channel that YouTube has a profile, oh, this group of audience, this umbrella likes that channel, they consistently don't click through as much on the gear things. Um, and there could be a lot of reasons for that. It could be interest. It could be budget. It could be they, they're not looking to buy stuff you know, on their channel. It could be for a lot of reasons. So I see that happening, and I... And originally I thought, okay, that's great. You know, it's, it is what it is. Those videos don't perform as well. It's, it will, I position those to work in the future. But what I am seeing here is there's a potential that YouTube is using the metadata within a video. And what I mean by that is the description, the title, the contents of the video, the thumbnail, the tags, all of those elements. They're using the metadata to pre-qualify the audience. I'm going to say that again. To pre-decide what audience to show this to. Now, if that's blowing your mind right now, <laughs> it was definitely blowing my mind here. Because what is that? Oh, there's so many ramifications of that. Now, again, I will say that this is just a theory. I don't have insider information. All I have is observation and hundreds of hours of looking at the algorithm to see this. So, I see this happening and I see, okay, what, what are my evidences? You, you say, okay, Nate, you know, what, what, what makes you say that? Okay, one, you know, the video is not doing as well in a new audience sector. That's great. That originally I could explain that away to, well, you know, if the first, you know, segment of the audience really did not respond well, less, a 1% click-through rate, for example, then I could say, okay, yeah, it just didn't spread to more people. But with this most recent one, this is recent data, I, I published one about lighting on YouTube. And then I ask, it, it did abysmal. <laughs> it did awful with the audience, right? And there's a variety of reasons for that. And, but I asked, I, I did a poll. I said, hey, how many of you remember even just seeing this video? Not that you watched it, that you got an impression on YouTube for this video. It showed up if, as you were scrolling through YouTube. How many of you remember seeing that? And... Oh, I, uh, the numbers, it was less than half. Uh, most people remember seeing it, whether they watched it or not, that was great. But then several people 
said, yeah, I don't think I was even shown that, right? But the additional interesting data point here is the number of comments I have gotten from the audience saying something to the effect of, I watch a lot of your videos. I, I always watch your videos, and that one wasn't even shown to me. So I see that, and I combine it with when I look at the back end of the analytics and seeing, okay, the impressions are dramatically less. I saw this before on YouTube Shorts, actually. A little side note. It was literally, YouTube Shorts are literally shown to fewer of your regular viewers. The reason for that, I do not know. <laughs> it, it actually bugs me about YouTube Shorts. But the same thing, that same trend of literally fewer impressions from the get-go not even a testing group and them saying, oh, I, yeah, this audience doesn't really like it. Therefore, we're not going to clog up their feed with a, with a video that they probably won't like. That's what they're trying to predict. They're trying to predict the videos that this audience, this specific person is most likely to click, right? So with that, actually fewer impressions, fewer the video was shown fewer times to the audience, even regular viewers of the channel makers videos. The only way I can take this from the, the, the data that I am seeing is that there's some sort of pre-check going on. The, because in that video, I, I went through and I found tags that matched, you know, the, the, you know, hey, this is the best lighting under $100, you know, and, and the all the verbiage, it was very clear that it was about gear. It was about setting up your, your gear, that video and, and the video before that, the webcam one. And all of those elements, when I published, even pre-published, I had set up all the description and everything to, to look like that. And the result is literally fewer impressions which is the starting point before even views, right? I see that and I think, okay, if YouTube potentially, this is not set in stone yet, but potentially they are pre-reading your video. They, we know that their AI, it knows what's in the thumbnail. They, it can predict with pretty darn good accuracy the expression, the emotion, the elements of a thumbnail, the elements within the video, they create automatic transcripts. They know what that video is about, right? So with them doing pre-checks, this is where it concerns me the most. I guess it's a concern, but also an action that you and I can take from this. The concern is for if at any point you want to start adding a new content type to your channel, which in many cases, that is the direction you'll take, especially if you own a niche. You've started your channel, you've got a niche, you, you're doing good. You've reached terminal velocity. You are at the point where you're like, yep, this is doing good, but now I want to expand beyond what it currently is. And in many, many cases, that means adding a new content type. When I look at that and I think, okay, so if, if I want to add a new content type or even a new angle to, to the content, what does this pre-published check, how does that play into it? Okay, so I'm going to reference a lesson in the YouTube course here. If you're if you're new here, or if it's been a while, you might want to take a refresher. It's I think the the lesson's called Our Secret Hack Updating Videos. And in that, I talked about a an experiment we've been running of creating a video to purposely to push into a new audience, to get to attract a new audience. And the first portion of the video, you make it geared towards your current audience. 
but then the rest of the video you make for the new audience and it can still overlap with your current audience, but the positioning is you, there's a clear introduction in the first few minutes of the video that uh, shows your current audience why this is relevant to them. And then after the video runs its space, oh, you do the same thing with the title and the thumbnail. Also, you, you set it up so that it will, it will appeal to your current audience, even though your goal is to appeal to new audience, right? And so then you set it up so that the video, after it's run its course, after about a, a week to two weeks, you can <laughs> go into the YouTube editor and clip off the first section of the video. <laughs> so then the video is still, it can be independent. It doesn't require the first section. You just have that first section in there to form the segue for your current audience. Uh, and running this experiment, it has been successful doing that. Uh, the, there have been a few videos on my channel that have that have run that experiment where it's, hey, started off one way to appeal to the current audience and then switch to appeal to new audience, right? Because then you're basically teaching the algorithm, hey, the, there's the current audience, but also I want to appeal to new audience. So back to this pre-check metadata thing, I think that perhaps one of the issues with this most recent one that I did that was trying to appeal to a new, more gear-focused audience was that I started it off with a lot of the new audience data in it. I didn't go into it planning on appeasing the current audience while attracting new audience. I hope this is making sense to you. I went into it, all the tags I put in there, and I know tags don't matter a whole lot, but I just decided, hey, I'm going to make sure that YouTube knows what this video is about. The tags I put in there, the description, everything was geared towards new audience. And based on the evidence of the pre-checks that YouTube is doing, I see that and I... <laughs> I, it's just a theory. I got I to gotta repeat this. This is a theory at this point. Uh, but it looks as though YouTube read that pre-data and said, this audience, current audience, is not very interested in that. Therefore, we're not even going to give that impression out, which is never a good thing for your channel. It's, it's never good when that happens because it, it almost, unless YouTube decides to pick it up in the future or you make that video into a searchable video, it's, it almost makes a video dead in the water. If it, if it does bad with your current audience, it makes it very hard to claw your way out of that low view threshold at the beginning to actually being able to spread anywhere and get some traction on YouTube. If it's, if it's cut out in the first 48 hours to seven days, if it really doesn't do well, it's not often that it will be picked up again. So, pull the two together. We've got the secret hack of updating videos. We've got the pre-checks going on. What this tells me is I am, if we are wanting, if you want to add a new content type, attract a new audience, that you want to position the video so that uh, at the metadata level, as much as possible, it appeals to your current audience First, then you can update that later. The description, the tags, uh, the thumbnail, the title, all of those things. But on every level, you want to make sure that that's a video that has a good amount of overlap with your current audience interests. So then they will watch it first and then you update it. So take this as an update to the secret hack method that, that is working, by the way. 
it's it's being successful. And in fact, a few of the videos on on my channel that have been targeted that way, they did, uh, you know, all right. They did, uh, you know, moderate to all right with the current audience. But then I changed it so that it is was more uh, search focused with the title, with the, the, the description. Hey, these are the things I'm reviewing. This is the gear in the video. And in the title, these are the, these are the specific products that are in this video. And with that updates, after about, I've seen on a few of them, after about 40 days, 40, 45 days, it starts getting picked up by search at that point. It's very interesting. Now, taking a step back here, so that's, that's the application point. That's the actual application of this concept, right? So when you're adding a new audience to your current audience, you're inherently at a disadvantage to another channel that it, it, the, the, if another channel is very geared towards the new audience you're trying to capture, you're inherently at a disadvantage because you haven't attracted, you haven't collected that umbrella of people yet. And so it may turn out that that other if you, in a, uh, in an example world, if both of you were to publish the same video, the exact same video, the same data and all that, the other channel that has originally built an audience around that interest, their video would do well. Their, their video would do better than yours. Almost all the time. I've seen that over and over again. But that doesn't mean that we need to be pigeonholed in our channel and not go after the new audience. So step back, looking at this from a broader application perspective, I'm going to give you a few indicators that I would look for of what both when to try to find new audience and how to go about doing it. So starting off, this still rings true. If you have a smaller channel or a newer channel, if you can target a niche audience that is underserved, you have a recipe for faster growth on YouTube because there are there is literally less content about that on YouTube. And because of that, the YouTube is much more likely to show that to that group. So that's an advantage at the beginning. So what I'm saying, I'm not saying is that from the beginning, you should start going all over the place with your audience. But from the beginning, you do definitely want to have in mind the new directions you will be adding, the new audience types you will be adding to your channel, and make sure that you do not pigeonhole yourself. <laughs> it's bad. If you get in a rut with your channel where you are only doing a certain content type and the audience only responds to that, that's not a good place to be. And yet, often, we're the ones that cause that because we try a new content type and we don't do it strategically and it does awful. And maybe we try it again and it does awful and we try it again and it does awful. And so we think, well, if we throw up our hands and say, well, I just can't do this. I can't, I can't add this new audience type. Most of the time, especially if you're currently feeling like that, that is not the case. If a reasonable overlap could be made between current audience, whatever you have on your channel right now, and the audience you're looking to attract, if a reasonable overlap could be made, then it can be done. And what I mean by reasonable overlap, I mean, if your channel is about lawn care, and all of a sudden you want to do food reviews, uh, <laughs> that might be a little, might be a little off there. But if it was lawn care into, let's see, uh, lawn care, uh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm on the spot here. I'm on, I'm on live trying to think of something here. 
I'm sure I could think of something after I record this, but a reasonable overlap here, okay? Uh, between lawn care and a slightly new audience. If it's, it could be within the lawn care fringe, it could be maybe more home care, home maintenance. Uh, it could be automobile care. I don't know. <laughs> just, if, there, if a reasonable amount of comparison and overlap could be made between two audiences, then it can be done and it's much more possible to be done than you, what you may currently think. Okay, so all that to say... Here's how I, I would, as a starting channel, I would focus on a few core things, starting off with the vision for the overlaps and the new audience you're going to make in the future, okay? Now, if your channel has been going for a while and you want to start going a new direction, you don't want to train the algorithm that you do not do new content, which is what it's our own choices that pigeonholes us often on our channels. It's our own choices that lead to us being like, I, I can't add new stuff. It's because we didn't try enough times, right? So, which is actually, by the way, by the way, this is a reason why I am seeing more and more, if at all possible, especially if you want to do experimentation or add new audience types, you got to be publishing at least two times a week. Because you got to have one winner that you know is going to do well with your audience and then another one that's your experiment. That is definitely what I'm doing on Channel Makers right now. And it's doing very well because with the experiment videos, I get to try new stuff. I get to see what works and what doesn't work. And I, I just keep seeing this evidence. If I'm only publishing one video a week, I can't experiment because it's essentially like two lost weeks. If I have a video that's good and then the next week it's a bad one, and then the next week, maybe it's a good one again. It's that that entire time there is lost momentum. So if at all possible, <laughs> especially if you are looking to add new audience or new content types, you want to experiment more, I strongly recommend that you publish two times a week. For sure, without fail. Like that, It's like a baseline. More if you can do that. Okay, so you've got an established channel. You want to start adding new content types. You don't want to pigeonhole yourself. You don't want to train the algorithm and the audience that you only do a certain content type. Because if you don't like that and you don't want to do that forever, then it's, it's, it's an issue, right? So <clears throat> here's what you do. You identify those overlaps. You identify the new directions you want to take the audience. If there's good, considerable, reasonable overlap in the new content types or new uh, audience types you're going for, then yes, do it on that channel. If the overlap isn't very significant, it's time to launch a new channel. Uh, if your current channel has a momentum and it's it's doing well, uh, then yes, it would be time to launch a new channel. And at that point, it could look like doing a couple of videos on your first original channel saying, hey guys, I'm starting a new channel. It's on a totally different topic. Here's why it's so awesome. If you wanna go over, if you're interested in that, then go and subscribe, right? And chances are a percentage will move over to the new channel. And that's great. Uh, not everybody will. Without fail, not everybody will. Um, <laughs> if everybody did go over to the new channel, <laughs> it's almost like you should have just added that to your original channel at that point. But that's, that's how I would do it if I were introducing something that was too far off out of the, the overlap, okay? But if you're wanting to do it on your current channel, you've identified, yes, this is a new audience I want. This is, there's significant reasonable overlap between these new audiences and these content types. Okay, what's next? You do this, that, that secret hack to updating videos. 
you start to introduce these videos into your mix. And that could look like publishing. If you're doing twice a week, it could look like every four videos, you try a new video. So you, you've got two videos in a week that are just awesome. The next week, you've got one that you know the audience is going to like, and then you try the new one. And when you go to publish that, this is where I'm pulling in the metadata thing and the pre-published checks. Make it, you don't want to lie, obviously, but make whatever you can about that video, make it appeal to your current audience. It, the, the title, the description, the, the, the thumbnail, all of that, the tags, just make it very geared towards your current audience to the best of your knowledge that YouTube has a profile of, on your current audience. It's not like they have a profile in, in, the, you know, in a folder somewhere. They don't have that, but they do know what kinds of people watch your channel, right? So with that, with the new content type or the new audience you're looking to attract, when you first publish it, and I mean when you upload it to YouTube, the, the first data you put in there match your current audience as much as possible without deceiving or lying or anything, right? But match your current audience. Then you let that play out because that's going to do a few good things for you. One, you, hopefully it will appeal to your current audience. And if you can do a good job at uh, introducing them to a new topic, then, then great. It, and it, it may still, it still may not do as well as a video that you know for certain is going to do well on the channel. But that's it, the best approach there is to do that. So it's good for your audience. They, it's appealing to them. But then also on the pre-checks, if this theory really is correct, on the pre-checks that the algorithm is doing, there's no flags that say, oh, this is a very different video type. I don't know if I'm going to show this to as many people. It's, okay, this is my, a little different video type, but at least three quarters of it is still current, you know, appeal to this current audience. All right, good. That is what you're going for. And then as you, as you go and you can follow again this, this secret hack to updating videos lesson in the, in the YouTube course, then as you let that play out, I'd give it oh, at least seven days to play out with your current audience. Then you can tweak it to match more directly the new audience you're going for, whether that's more making the title more searchable uh, and the thumbnail more... Um, demonstrating the new thing, the description, that's when you start adding those little tweaks to it. And I, you know, there's no evidence of, of if YouTube like crawls videos a certain amount of times. I, I haven't seen one thing or the other. I, what I will say is that with searchable videos, I mentioned this earlier, but there seems to be a trend of, I've done a few of these newer videos and oh, about 40 days sometimes. I, I, there's no, I, I don't have a hard, fast rule on that, but they do update. That's what I'm saying here. They do update their definition of the video. And so if they see you've made changes to the video, they'll see that it's updated, right? And they'll, it's basically the equivalent of crawling the video again, where it now they see, okay, this is different. This is appealing to a new audience. And this is where I have seen success more than once, several times on when, it, when those tweaks happen, they start, that video starts doing better for targeted search terms, for example. It starts attracting an audience that had nothing to do with the current audience, which is a good thing if that's where you're going with this. So that's the approach you take. And you start mixing those videos into your regular content on your channel. You start publishing them, you know, every three to four videos 
Uh, and because what that does is it starts to clue your audience into, hey, they're going a new direction here, but that people don't feel like all of a sudden, what happened to this channel? Why, why are they publishing totally different content now? Uh, and with that approach, the best of both worlds, you've got pleasing the current audience, but also finding new audience within with the algorithm on your side. All right, so that's the strategy I'm seeing here as a result of this pre-check, this metadata pre-check that I'm seeing the YouTube algorithm do here. So if this is blowing your mind, I, I sure hope so. And if you are looking to add new content types, consider doing this right now on your channel. And when you, if you have a smaller channel, start looking at how you're gonna start implementing this in the near future. And by new content types, I will add one more note here, then I'm gonna wrap this up here. New content types, so we've talked a lot about new audience, right? But also new content types. Now what I mean by that is, if you typically do tip videos on your channel, what if you all of a sudden do an entertainment video? Like what would that do? A lot of times, it comes out of left field. People are like, what? <laughs> Why? I came here for actionable advice and all of a sudden you're doing an entertainment video. What? What are you doing? This is the same concept. Uh, the, the, the same concept. Everything that I talked about thus far, you would apply here. You would publish you know, less often and you would warm up the audience to it. And bonus points, here's the bonus round here before I wrap up here. Bonus points, if you do community posts, if your channel's at the point where you can do more community posts, you have a thousand subscribers or more, you do community posts, letting people know what you're doing and occasionally in pinned comments on videos themselves saying, hey, I'm trying a new video type. People are normally, people are often, <laughs> normally I was gonna say normally, but I say often, people are often very open to it to that communication, you say, hey, I am trying a new content type. What do you think? You can put a pinned comment on your video and say, what do you think of this new type of content? Was it helpful? What would you change? And open it up. That makes people much more open, the current audience, much more open to, to experiencing and going with you on the journey of as the channel evolves. All right, that's all I have for you guys. I feel like saying Nate out here because that's what I do on my channel. <laughs> but we will see you next time with the new podcast. Super excited. And as always, next episode, I am looking to continue sharing these theories, the, the things that I'm seeing, but also any questions that you have in the YouTube community, uh, the Income School YouTube Substantive Discussion Community. Keep asking questions. Keep the discussion going there because I keep an eye on it. And there's a pretty good chance Going forward, I will be covering many, many of those questions or those conversations here on the podcast. So I'm excited for you guys to be here and along for the journey. Project 24 is a product of Income School LLC. Results mentioned are not typical. The trademark Project 24 refers to the goal of some people to create a successful business in 24 months, but it's not a promise or guarantee of that success. Many online businesses fail because like any business, it requires hard work, skill, and dedication. Before making business decisions, consult financial and legal professionals licensed in your jurisdiction. So in short, the only person who can make your business successful is you. We are simply here to provide information to help you along the way.